So this is the lockdown podcast episode seven, seven with Josh Maley. Hey, Lisa, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, very well, thank you. So let's start off. Obviously, there's a lot of people will know who you are and all about you, Josh. But you know, give give yourself a bit of an introduction. Okay, so uh, I have been competing now for a decade, um, and uh, the most kind of notable success, I suppose, I won the universe as an amateur in 2017, and I won the universe as a pro last year in 2019. Um, and amongst all that, I think I've done about 22, 24 shows now. So, yeah, I'm becoming a bit of a an old timer. So. Um... Now, obviously, we've known each other for a little while. We've had a few chats. We've had a training sessions. We've had good fun. But for people that don't know, give a little bit of a background, if you don't mind, of how and why you got into bodybuilding. Uh, so I used to be, um, like I, I swam at quite a high level until I was 18. Um, and when I swam, I was very, very skinny, uh, always very um, self-conscious of that fact. And I always wanted to get bigger. Um, so as soon as I decided to stop swimming, I think I was 19, I spent the kind of 40 hours that I was training in the pool and I just went to the gym and trained every day for as long as I could until I started to realize that wasn't the best idea. Um, and I just fell in love with it. I started getting bigger. I started feeling more confident. I started feeling, um, just stronger and then competed when I was 22 for the first time. And it just went from there, just snowballed. I loved it. It was uh, an incredible experience. The, the prep was an amazing challenge. And, um, yeah, the rest is, is history. Oh, cool. So um, what if you swam, what as what? Uh, breaststroke. So I, I was quite good at that. Um, and I kind of got to Commonwealth and Olympic trials. Um, but then there was a big step from there to kind of actually getting to the, the big events. And I realized I wasn't going to make it. And I also kind of fell out of love with it a little bit. So that was, that was that. So then, um, as you said, you'd spend maybe 40 hours a week in the pool. So did you initially, from what you said, did you take that mindset into the gym and try and do as much as possible? Yeah, very much so. I, um, I didn't, I didn't have a clue. I, you know, I knew, the basics of, of gym etiquette in terms of squat bench deadlift and other kind of general movements but I um I just went in and did everything um I, I think I still split it down to body parts but I was training kind of six times seven times a week for two hours plus and just I would just basically do the encyclopedia of every exercise going um until I couldn't do any more and then I go home and then I do it again the next day so then obviously you probably still gained a certain amount but then you know when what brought you to make your best gains you know was it reducing the volume and or was it certain exercises yeah so I was I was really lucky because I um I fell in with a, a powerlifter who also um had a really interest in bodybuilding um so he was I think at the time the raw bench press record holder I think it's bench press was 250 kilos um and i i kind of eventually plucked up the courage and said oh can i train with you because i'd seen how he trained he looked you know enormous thick heavily muscled guy 
he said yes. And I suppose that was a turning point where I stopped training like a complete idiot and started following a, a kind of rational structure. And I kind of learned a lot from Rich. And then um, over time, just sort of developed, I suppose, my own, own sort of training um, system that I just enjoyed and worked well um, and balanced everything out in terms of muscle groups and volume and frequency. Because um, are you still uh, PTing? Obviously, not actually at the moment, but you know, are you still PTing if you could? Uh, no, so I stopped um, over about 14 months ago. I, I retired from one to one personal training because um, the online side of things was getting quite busy and I just wanted to put all my attention into that and see if I could make a go of it and touch wood even though this is a bit of a, a crappy time for everyone, it's it's still going well and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's a lot more, um, I suppose, accessible for a lot more people and it gives me kind of a, a, a better diversity of, of client base. Yeah, I suppose, you know, for you've still got a lot that you want to achieve within competitive bodybuilding and PTing is quite sort of time-consuming, um, whereas obviously online is, but you can do it at a time that suits you a little bit more. Is that right for you, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Since um, since last year, it was February last year, um, and I mean, like you say, I'm still busy and I'm grateful to be so, but the fact that I can, you know, structure everything around me, um, my training, my food, my cardio, was the kind of a big plus for me um, alongside the fact that I actually enjoyed the work, but um, it certainly kind of helped, you know, I've got to, I'm not having to get up at five o'clock anymore. I'm not having to kind of stay at the gym for, you know, 14 hours or whatever. Um, and, you know, I can enjoy some home cooked warm food. That's right as well. You know, if you're PT in for 10, 12, 14 hours and you're in the gym, it's not that you wouldn't, but you know, it's, you're in the gym even longer when you know to do your own training as well and you know sometimes it's like oh shit right hang on let's let's get motivated for this but obviously that's not an issue anymore for you yeah exactly I'm, i've always been passionate about training i've always absolutely loved it but you're right it, it, it like days of days of that you know it just i suppose it saps the the energy out of you somewhat and just i can always get up for sessions but there's certainly you know since taking the step back now when I go to the gym, you know, I'm there to train and that is it. And I could just throw everything I've got, all my focus, all my energy into into being in that environment, which I just absolutely love. So then obviously the way you structured things now with uh, business, etc., have you as have you noticed that that's made a difference in your physique as well? I've certainly had until the beginning, well, I mean, last year obviously was a fantastic year from a competitive point of view. So, um, you know, the prep itself was, was I use the word hesitantly, but kind of easy in terms of, you know, I got, I got in shape and it wasn't a complete death march. Um, but then since then as well, like the off season until Corona came around um, was going incredibly well. And uh, I was, kind of 320 pounds and, and leaner than I have been at that weight, feeling very good with it as well. Wasn't feeling, you know, normally that, that kind of weight starts to drag a little bit. Um, and I think the fact that like I was, you know, getting a bit more sleep um, because I wasn't having to get up as early, I could actually get some morning cardio done as well. Um, and, and all of that has just kind of helped, I think, 
health and overall overall look really so obviously as you say at this moment in time i suppose really because you haven't got the ability to do everything you would and you'd like to do is this giving you more time to think about what you want to do with your physique where you want to go with it and things like that um i i i'm a bit of a short-term planner i don't really think too far ahead in terms of kind of what i want to do um within i suppose bodybuilding but obviously from a physique point of view, I know the areas I want to work on. I know that I want to become bigger and I want to become better. Um, and as although I'm training out of my spare room, which is small, I've got the bare bones to kind of create enough to certainly maintain and even, you know, potentially improve some of my weaker body parts. Fortune, well, fortunately or whatever. But my arms are shit as well, you know. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, so obviously that's one thing that doesn't need a huge amount of weight. And I can do at home. So I'm hoping to come out of this with uh, maybe a better set of arms. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And as you say, so you are using it to your advantage. So as you've mentioned your arms, so is there body parts that you love to train, hate to train? Are you um, impartial either way? What's your views on that? Um, I, 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 I hate to train arms because I just find it a bit boring because there's not like that I suppose that much you can do it's a single joint movement and there's only so many times you can kind of get excited about that but um because I'm excited about progressing within bodybuilding I know I need to do it and and therefore it kind of it, it gets a bit easier I think I love I love training everything really um I, the thing that's probably it's a, it's a double-edged sword legs I don't enjoy doing I don't think anyone who trains them well does but there's no better feeling than finishing um, and kind of knowing what you put yourself through and where you've taken yourself from. So um, they're sort of, I suppose, a, a favourite and a least favourite all in one. So when you go into train legs, is there is there more of an air of apprehension more than anything else then? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a straight up dread. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's, it's nice to hear that. I mean, the thing is, as you say, if you can keep that passion alive, whether it be for, as you say, out of fear, if nothing else, well, you know you're going to have a good session then. Exactly. Like, you know, there's always, even at home, like now, when I first started training at home, obviously legs, I haven't got a huge amount of weight. So I was, I suppose I didn't have the same level of apprehension or fear because there wasn't, I suppose, the danger aspect of going so heavy. However, I've now created kind of sessions that are absolutely horrendous that I've now started to get that back before each session. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Like, I'm one of these who I, I, I don't get bored easily, so I can train. You know, my my session structure really has stayed very similar for probably a good five or six years. And obviously just throughout that, I've maybe rotated exercises in and out and manipulated volume slightly. But I certainly think that having the limited um, a kind of equipment and or no equipment and the limited weight has definitely made me think more and and also enjoy that side of things more that the fact that I'm such a creature of habit so I'm thrown out of it and I have to create a kind of new a new structure and a new challenge for myself and you know like it's been a month now and as you guys said you know you get to the point where you, we've accepted it and you can start kind of embracing and enjoying it for what what we can and that's definitely where I'm at yeah that's cool <clears throat> So obviously, um, the years competing for so many people has had to take a, um, a bit of a curveball. But what's next for you? 
So this year was always up in the air in terms of I didn't quite know um, if I wanted to compete or not. So in a weird way, this has made me um, like just made that decision for me. Um, you know, th- there were thoughts of doing the, the universe again. Um, but I think for me, I want to make sure that now I've won that, if I'm to defend it, I want to be significantly better and I want to make it near on impossible um, for, for me to be beaten. So with the way this has panned out and the fact that off season's taken a little bit of a little bit of a hit in terms of um, I suppose being able to push as hard as I would normally, I'm just gonna take the whole year to um, kind of push on and progress and then look at competing hopefully uh, in the middle of next year. Um, I'm not 100% sure on, on shows yet, but um, that's the sort of time frame I, I'm looking at. But it, or is that sort of the intention, maybe obviously towards the end of next year, would that is your intention to go back to the universe again? Initially, uh, my thoughts were I, I would love to win the NABA Worlds because that's one that I've not, not, not competed at for a few years and not won. Um, so that would obviously be the nice uh, sort of final glory within within NABA. Um, but then I, I one someone from NABA um, sent me that they'd updated like the um, whatever they called it the the sort of history of, of NABA with regard. And I saw my name and I was kind of flicked up the list. And you know, there's I think you know the most recent two time winner was Tony Mount. There was Eddie Elwood, who's a huge inspiration of mine for kind of five, six, seven, eight years. So I was kind of then like, oh, maybe do I want to try and make this a bit of a a regular feature if possible. Um, so I, I'm still in two minds about the universe. I think next year I will go middle of the year. I will give it the, my all, um, probably do the Nabal Worlds because that's when that falls, see if there's anything else about, and then depending how I feel and how I how I do, then decide if I want to then prolong through till the universe. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people who are competing these days don't realise sometimes the history yeah. of NABA. You know, I think it was the year you did the universe as a amateur. It was one of the um, anniversary years. And cause we've got a program for that. Yeah. Cause uh, I think Lisa was judging. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you've got the names of like Arnold, Charles Claremont, Brian Buchanan, Eduardo Kawak, and people like that, it, you know, it's amazing the quality of people they've had over the years. So, you know, I think it's still, you know, a good title and it's got a lot of history behind it. Yeah, and, and it, I mean, it's a fantastic competition. I think, you know, looking like you say, those names are just absolute icons within bodybuilding and, you know, to even be on the same list as them is incredible. Um, like for me, I've never paid... Uh, too much attention to kind of where I compete in terms of like I just love competing so if you give me a a good show I'll do it and one of the things when I came to NABA in 2014 was that feeling of um, I suppose it just felt appreciated as an athlete like how they took care of um, kind of how the shows will run how how you would talk to and all of that and since then um, I've just really I suppose grown a bit of a kind of love for the federation in that regards and and have thoroughly enjoyed every time I've competed with them hence why I've kind of really stuck by yeah I, I think you're right there and surely as a a competitor that's what you want you know you want to enjoy the experience um you know and like I said we've probably worked with 
well, all the major federations, you know, and they, they, I suppose you can pick, you know, we certainly can pick sort of good and bad in, in all of them. But you say, surely as a competitor, you want to be there in a place that you feel good and, you know, you feel appreciated. And whether that's NABA, IFBB, Pro League, wherever, you know, anything, once you've found your place, then, you know, that's fantastic. Exactly. You know, I've competed. I did UK BFF right at the beginning. In fact, the very first show I did, um, I remember I asked you backstage what time I would be on, Mike, because um, I remember you working there with the UK BFF Leicester. I've done UK BFF and you made that show great. And then I suppose I just felt a little bit sort of lost in it. Um, after that, there was a big step up for me physically to the super heavies. And that's one thing, again, that kind of attracted me to NABA was the fact that they do the height categories as an amateur and being, you know, six foot six, it's, it's hard to stand against, um, you know, like for example, like Luke Sando, I stood against him in 2012 and, you know, you couldn't take two more kind of different heights and physiques. Um, so that's another real plus for NABA. Same with PCA. I've always really enjoyed their shows since they came along. Um, and as for sort of maybe like the, the IFBB and the two bro side of things, people say, oh, you should you should maybe try for your pro card, et cetera, et cetera. But again, for me, while I'm happy progressing and happy enjoying bodybuilding, I haven't quite got the 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 internal need to kind of go go that route at, at this point anyway. And I totally agree, because the thing is, as you said, when you think of, and you rightly said the the last prep was, play, you know, as enjoyable as could be. But when you think of your first prep, how and for so many others, it's quite a, to get to a show and enjoy every single minute of it, prep has been erased. So to go through that and go to a show that you're not going to enjoy for whatever reason, you don't have a good experience, you don't meet, you know, it's not a great time, whatever. That will stick with you. But the fact, as you say, you found that place that you're still thriving, you're enjoying, and you're loving everything about it, well, it is absolutely the right place for you. Exactly. I think, you know, so many people place, you know, titles and pro cards and, you know, certain accolades within bodybuilding kind of at the pinnacle of the tree. But I've always competed to be better myself to look back at last year's pictures and be like, I'm a better bodybuilder. And, you know, it doesn't matter what stage I stand on. Um, uh, that will either be the case or it won't be the case. I'll either be better than last year or I won't be better. Um, but, you know, the, the like you say, the enjoyment factor, um, that's the real thing that kind of then makes everything even better and even more enjoyable. And like you say, even more worth it. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. So your last show you know, do you know what weight you were on stage roughly? Um, so I did three last year. I did the PCA, um, British or whatever they were calling it, I think, in the pro class there. And that was my heaviest. I think I was 295 there. Um, I started working in pounds because it sounds more impressive, Mike. So you just have to <laughs> convert that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was, I was 295 at the PCA. I was full, I was big, um, I wasn't as hard and kind of conditioned as, as I kind of set my standards out, but that was fine. I think that was three weeks before the universe. I uh, dialed in for the universe. I think I was two, um, 289 for that one. 
and really, really happy with how I look and obviously won it. So that went well. Um, and then um, two weeks after that, I did the Nabi Europeans. I didn't have scales. That was in Italy. So I didn't have anything to weigh myself. But I, I ate a lot more aggressively um, in terms of carving up with, for that one. So I suspect I was probably 290 plus there as well. Yeah, so I'm at six foot six. You know, I mean, those sorts of weights. You know, two ninety plus. I mean, I know two eighty is exactly twenty stone. You know, and I suppose people would be bloody hell. You know, you know, twenty one stone on stage. But as you say, you're six foot six. So I think you know, at the moment, being in a height class in um, Naba, obviously the pros it. it doesn't really make any difference anymore but I mean I think would you agree that you know if you did step up into sort of two bros and then eventually IFBB pro you're looking at maybe you know being on stage at probably 340 350 would you say that would be about right Uh, I'm not sure that heavy I think like three you know if I put on 20 pounds of tissue so say like 310 Um, 310 plus that's going to be something pretty I mean I don't know many if any bodybuilders who have been that sort of weight obviously there haven't been any um, my height really either Um, I'm keeping a close eye actually at the moment on um, Jamie Johal I'm sure you you know Jamie or or come across him Um, so he's obviously same well I think he's maybe six or five um, and he's obviously an IFBB pro um, so I'm kind of looking at him and I'm I'm a bit gutted, obviously, for him and just for everything that he can't compete uh, when he plans to, because it would have been fantastic to see someone of my height stand up in the pro leagues and see how they looked. And obviously, I'm not comparing myself directly to him, but from a height point of view and a weight point of view, we kind of hit similar numbers. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be it. You know, for me, if I can keep getting better, um, at some point, I will feel that, you know, I can go over to the two bros, the IFBB, and I can be competitive. Because at the end of the day, you know, no disrespect to anyone who, you know, just chases that IFBB pro card. But, you know, I don't really want to just make up the numbers in a show. I don't want to get that card and then, you know, never make a top six again. I want to be able to be in a position that I can compete um and you know until that point i'll just keep working and i'll just keep um doing my own thing competing where i feel best and and then make that call when it comes yeah it's a case of do you want to have that pro card just for your cv or do you want to do something with it exactly yeah so um yeah i as you say though there's plenty of time because how how old are you josh I'm 32. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not the youngest anymore. It seems to have gone quite quickly. <laughs> but also, you're far from the oldest, as you say. Look at um, when Roden won the Olympia. Um, you know, and a lot of the guys are mid to late 30s. So you know, you've still got a yeah. lot of time left. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I feel, you know, I, I I feel young as well. Like I still feel fairly. Immature, not immature, but like I still feel, uh, you know, early on in my career. Although I've I've competed a fair bit and I've done a fair bit, I still have the same sort of enthusiasm. I still have, you know, it, it's nothing's a chore. Everything's, you know, I enjoy every aspect of it: the routine, the structure, the diet, everything. And um, you know, I 
while I have this feeling, I will just keep going. And like you say, I think realistically, a lot of guys kind of seem to start to peak around mid 30. So I still got, you know, three years and then and then some to, to mm. progress. And, and, you know, if it comes to the point when that IFBB pro card is just going to be the sort of trophy, then, you know, I'll, I'll go for it. But until that point, I want to I want to put my efforts into, you know, creating the sort of best I don't know, legacy or whatever, until uh, that point. Yeah, so obviously you're in it for the long haul. So do you um, sort of always keep that in mind with your training? You know, have you had any, you know, we've all had niggles, etc. but have you stayed relatively injury-free? Yeah, touch wood. I, um, I, I, I think I tore my rotator cuff in 2018. Um but that's fine now. And that has been the only injury that has had any significant impact on my training. Um, you know, so that was probably four to six months of training subpar um, with regards to kind of pressing movements. Um, but still, that was through the prep for the 2018 universe. And I still managed to come second and I still looked, you know, pretty good. So um, I, I touch wood. I've always trained well fairly sensibly I've never ever done anything less than five reps um and if I ever kind of get to five six reps it's normally uh, a misjudgment on my part in terms of the weight um I'm big on my stretching I'm big on my mobility work um you know when when I can obviously not at the moment I get regular um kind of tissue tissue work and massage so yeah touch wood this body's holding on okay but the thing is, with all that in mind, you know, you're obviously uh, uh, more aware of rehab than a lot of bodybuilders are. Um, so what would you train in, obviously, post spare bedroom, spare room? What would you, um, and pre-room, what would your training be? Are you um, body parts a day? Are you every day? Are you five days? So I um, I find for me it's uh, it's between four or five days a week. Um, so I was doing five days before this, um, I, I do chest and shoulders together. So I kind of, you know, call it, you call it a push, pull legs, whatever you want to do. Um, and I, because chest and shoulders or chest particularly is a weaker body part alongside arms. Um, I was doing, um, one pull session a week. So back of biceps, mainly back, um, and then two chest and shoulder sessions, one leg session, and then I added in an arm session and an arm day because, um, yeah, like I said, they need work. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, again, what you've done is you've adapted your training split for, you know, what you feel your weaknesses are rather than just doing, you know, a general push-pull legs, push-pull legs, like like. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I think, especially if you're a competitor, you have to see what your strengths and weaknesses are and adapt your training split for you. So, you know, on paper, some people would look at your training split and say, well, you know, you're not training your back enough, et cetera, et cetera. Definitely. And I think that's one thing, you know, push-pull legs is an absolutely amazing split for anyone kind of in the early days when realistically – like everybody to begin with, they just need size and I still need more size, but I also now know, you know, I've been doing it 10 years and I've been training hard for those 10 years. And I know that my arms haven't grown the rest of the, the as well as the rest of me. So 
it would be stupid for me to just keep doing the same thing and kind of just hope that by tagging them on at the end of sessions, they're going to change when for a decade they haven't, like, as much as everything else. Um, but, you know, for, for guys starting out, you know, that sort of um, body part split, that frequency is going to be a real plus. Um, it's like if I have a client now and they're, you know, early 20s, there's plenty of lagging body parts and they come to me and say, can I have an arm day? I'll probably tell them to fuck off because there's so many other things that need to be bigger and better um, for them to worry about that. But you come to a point where, you know, that is that does become a priority. Likewise, like you said about potentially on paper, it not looking like I train my back as much. Um, you know, the, I, I have a good, I suppose I can lift quite heavy with my back. And I know that because of that and because of the sort of accuracy I can hit it with, it needs the recovery. And then also on my leg day, I always make sure I have in like a stiff leg deadlift variation, which is going to work that posterior chain anyway. So it's kind of kind of getting hit in as in sorts twice anyway. Um, but again, it's all how you factor things in for the individual based on kind of priorities. Hmm. I mean, I was just actually as you were talking then when you were saying about your back and everything else, and I um, mimicked to Mike breaststroke. <laughs> So, as you say, going back to where we very, very start this conversation was what sport you came from. So the legacy yeah. from that sport has already found its way into your, you know, your new passion. And obviously that's where you're getting that um, that connection through your back and everything else. Yeah, I think you're right there. And, and also just the fact that it can it can handle uh, you know a lot of volume. So although I might only be training once, it's it's a serious kind of stint of work as well. Yeah, definitely. And and also then plus the you know when you were talking about legs earlier and you know how you you know you need to well everybody does need to psych yourself up. You you almost it's one of those things yeah you look forward to but you dread at the same time. But I think to have two sessions like that a week, it can be quite stressful. Can be stressful and and difficult to recover from sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And you know, like you say, you know, throughout the kind of years things have changed it's not like I've been doing this all the time I know I've been I said I kind of followed a structure in terms of how I plan sessions out but you know I think from um kind of particularly the early years probably from 2011 to 2013 14 I was training legs twice a week then uh splitting it into like a quad dominant and a hamstring dominant um so again kind of you know when you holding on to tissue is a lot easier than building it so sometimes you just need to put in that graft get it there and then you can sort of taper it back a bit and now I know that you know I can train my quads with two exercises a week for maybe four hard working sets between the two two on each exercise and that is more than enough to hold and even still grow them um, whereas other body parts need a lot more attention and volume yeah um, yeah definitely you know when with your height is there exercises that you need to avoid or that don't particularly work for you you know in what maybe generally other people would always put in their sessions you know is there any exercises because of that that don't really work for you yeah I mean I've always had kind of issues with lower back and nothing sort of diagnosed nothing that's taken me out of training in any way but you know if anything's going to kind of twinge or niggle it'll be the lower back and like you say it is 
it's how you think about training. So for a long time, um, you know, the first five, six years of my training, you know, I thought, you know, you had to deadlift, you had to rack pull because, you know, that's what, you know, the, the key, you know, that's what the big guys did. That's what the strong guys did. But realistically, I do it for two months. I build up, I build up, I build up. I twinge my back. I'd have to back off for another two months. Then I'd get the balls to do it again. And it would just kind of go round. So I don't deadlift. I don't um, rack pull. I can stiff leg deadlift uh, well and safely. Um, I think because it's just that element of constant tension. And obviously the load in a stiff leg's marginally less than a normal deadlift. Um, outside of that, there aren't any exercises um, that are kind of risky to me i think the longer you train the more you kind of connect with certain movements and maybe favor them in your programming um i don't tend to squat now um i love squatting and you know if it wasn't a um if it was strictly for enjoyment you know i would definitely squat but from a practical point of view you know the amount of time it's going to take you to warm up for a squat and kind of you know go all in on a squat movement or a free bar squat anyway the, the kind of stress central nervous system stress that then it takes me to recover from that it just isn't worth it so like a hack squat for me is a much better option yeah 100 percent. i totally agree with you know what you're saying again about with a deadlift and a rack pull as well i mean <sighs> People will attribute, say, a good back to deadlifting, but it's like, yeah, show me somebody who just deadlifts and has got a good back. You know, they forget about all the other exercises you're doing. Um, and then as far as the rack pull goes, everyone, you know, you'll see videos of people, say, squatting or um, leg pressing, and everyone gets on on their case about, oh, you need to use a longer range of motion. And then a rack pull is <laughs> when you see, see yeah. it, it's a, bloody short range of motion and it, so it's like what are you actually working yeah and a huge amount of load a huge amount of stress and you know the heavier you go the more the more risky movements go you know if you if you're off slightly on a really heavy movement you're going to do a lot more damage than if you're off slightly on a, on a lighter movement so again like you say kind of risk and reward yeah i totally agree yeah you know and the thing is as i've always said football and rugby they're two totally different sports, but they both use a ball. Weightlifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding. They're totally different sports, but we all lift a weight. So, of course, the thing is, when you get to that point in your career, you realize you're trying to nurture and sculpt a piece of art. Then you do what it takes. You don't do what everybody else does in the gym. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think it's, you know, it's so easy to see, especially, I suppose, with social media and, and you know, being strong as a man is is a very um i suppose egotistical thing it's 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 bre is it deep within us we all want to be that strong guy that people kind of look up to and think that's incredible but you know the fact of the matter is like you say it's it's bodybuilding it isn't um a strength sport that's not how we win competitions so it needs to be taken you know with a pinch of salt and you know a bit of common sense and logic needs to be applied um to, to our training absolutely because the thing is as i've said to many many people when i'm judging you i never asked i've never ever asked you how much you can squat i've never asked you how much you can deadlift i've never asked how much cardio you've done all i have is you is standing there in the um in the poses for what 15 20 minutes maximum there is no backstory so you produce the best physique you can, and then is that for to me to critique that physique and for you to improve? 
So how you get there, I really don't mind, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it's the same with like measurements, you know, guys who get hung up on, you know, having, you know, certain inch biceps or whatever. Yeah, sure. From a personal point of view and, and logging progression, it makes sense. But, you know, if you're going to start dick measuring, you know, again, the judges don't care if you've got so like your, your biceps are so many inches. If they look pretty shoddy on stage, if you're out of condition, if you pose them like a sack of shit, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, agree. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on earlier about um, cardio. Um, was that in off-season or are you only at cardio when you're in prep? So for um, nine years, I was only cardio in prep. And for the last year, I've been cardio off-season um, and all year round. And it's been really interesting because um, I feel so much better um, in myself um my sort of my things like my blood pressure are better my recovery from sessions is better my appetite is through the roof um you know even just doing 20 minutes of cardio in the morning i can then put away you know six thousand calories through the day with with no real issue whereas i know in the past if i ate the same volume of food with no cardio it was a real it was that bodybuilder force feeding feeling um and that's why last or the, the off season that kind of got paused at the beginning of this situation was going so well because you know training was going excellently recovery was great cardio was consistent food was going in at a good level i wasn't getting too fat and i was feeling fantastic so it's had a really positive effect and you know people have always told me or, or suggested you know it would be a good thing to do cardio but until you kind of do it and get into a routine and start to feel it that's when you realize that actually for me anyway it's a huge huge bonus yeah, I think as well, you know, the fitter you are, and if you're not, your training's definitely going to suffer. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and this this is why for me it's so it's so, it's so night and day because I've been I've now been on both sides of the coin. You know, I've done you know the leg sessions where I'm 320 plus pounds with no cardio, and I'm doing you know a couple of sets and a couple of heavy sets, and I am absolutely gassed. It's going to take me five ten minutes to even recover, whereas now you know, I'm still able to push the same intensity, but I'm able to then hit the next set a lot quicker. I'm allowed to get, I'm getting more volume in, in the same time frame. You know, I'm creating greater stimulus, greater damage in a shorter time frame, and I'm recovering better because of it. Yeah. And as you say, you're, you've, you've done it both ways. So you, you've clearly demonstrated, you know, on yourself that that is the better way to go. Yeah, I think, and especially as like the the bigger you get and the heavier you are, um, you know, ask anyone really over three hundred pounds. Like, if you don't really do a lot, it's not a very comfortable experience. You know, stairs become a challenge. Trying to put your shoes on become a challenge, and because I again, because I've experienced these things, you know, I love bodybuilding, but I I also like to kind of enjoy and feel pretty healthy and and like, you know, I don't want to feel like complete turd every day i like to be you know able to just put my socks on and put my shoes on and you know pop down and you know run downstairs and take the bins out or whatever it may be um and i think when you've experienced like i said both sides of things you um you appreciate you know the the health side of things a lot more you find in as well the um the effect it has with your sleep pattern do you find you sleep better doing it like that 
Oh, I mean, I, I'm an anomaly on the sleep front. So um, I, I can honestly sleep for Great Britain. I could sleep for the world. I can sleep, um, you know, whether I'm off, se- off season, one week out from a show, you know, whatever it may be, I can put my head down, get, you know, seven, eight hours. I can have a nap in the day. I'm, uh, I'm the cure to insomnia. Oh, so you're the one. I am the one. <laughs> <laughs> when when you said uh just now about being you know when you've been 300 plus pounds etc and now at five foot seven i've never been that weight but i can sort of appreciate i think the heaviest i ever got uh my height i was 260 uh in the off season you know and at five foot seven that was bloody hard work um and i don't think it actually by the time i dieted down it didn't i didn't improve my physique really so i i never got to that weight again yeah i mean i i first hit so my i tend to for the past i think four or even five years i've peaked my off seasons at 330 pounds now if you take that back five years when i was doing that the the amount more muscle i have now compared to them is you know a huge huge amount but so I completely agree, you know, like I got up to 330 pounds then and I took it all off again. Um, and, you know, even like now I'll get around to the similar weight, but just there's a lot less to drop, you know, and, and you feel a lot better for it. I do think there's a place for pushing weight to kind of almost set a new sort of standard for for how heavy you can be. Um, but if you do it kind of year on year where you're trying to always get heavier, always get heavier, it's not going to be a great way of doing things. You know, there becomes that thing where quality is is certainly more important. Yeah, as you say, it's not all about, you know, just because you're on stage heavier, you're not necessarily better. You know, as you said a lot earlier on, you know, when we were chatting, you know, it's about you want to bring a better version of yourself. And that's not always being heavier. No, I think, you know, from last year, to, or from 2018 2019 I think you know the, the weight difference was if any kind of one or two pounds but I certainly feel like I look like a better bodybuilder um and and you know I, I'm, I definitely saw progress in that time you know weight is obviously a kind of very objective point of of measuring I suppose some sort of progress but like you said there's it's, it, we we are looking at this from a an aesthetic and an art point of view, and you know if I'm putting on ten pounds and five pounds looks like it's gone around my waist and thickened out, then the other five pounds isn't going to make up for the kind of reduction in how pretty I look. Yeah, totally. And unfortunately, as we get older, and not that you're anywhere near this age, but we don't <laughs> produce anywhere near the amount of collagen that we do when we're younger so if you're putting on the 10s the 20s the 30 the 40 pounds when that comes off the skin will very rarely go back tight to the muscles so as you say if you're doing it in a more controlled manner where you're not stretching the skin into places and out of places it doesn't need to be even that will keep the physique looking younger yeah definitely and i think we've all seen you know the you know, I love I love going to shows, and I absolutely love the masters classes as well because I just I'm so inspired by them. But you're right, you know, you can completely see guys who have had to come down a lot, and you know the little kind of 
you know, the, the skin hanging at the top of the trunks and things like that versus, you know, some of the guys and you're thinking, how are they even in a master's class? They look like they could be, you know, an open, you know, in their 30s. So, you know, there's a huge amount to be said for that. And again, you know, I like to look at this from a long-term point of view. Um, you know, I want to look, I want to look damn good when I'm 50. I don't want to be, you know, a saggy kind of skin folded mess. Yeah, but but as you say, and that's it. But the thing is, you're nowhere near that age, but you're thinking about that now. So even though you said there's no long term goals in your mind, you still know what you want to look like in the other side of 50. So, I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to be able to, you know, I, I look up again, like I said, because I love the master's classes. I look up to so many guys in there. Like I know Gary Lister kind of, you know, he was competing until very recently as a master's. And obviously he had such an incredible career before that with, with Nabra and things like that. And like guys like that, you know, they, I think to myself, I want to kind of be in a position where I can still be training and still be looking like that, you know, and realistically, if you just absolutely hammer you know, every side of bodybuilding at a young age, there's going to be uh, some repercussions at some point. And, you know, I, I, I want to try and avoid that as much as possible. And, um, and again, you know, enjoy the enjoy the journey and, and make it a, a long one. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, we, we've done a few um, podcasts with bodybuilders that are obviously still young fresh like yourself everything's still going there's the enthusiasm is great but honestly it's so refreshing that every one of you is all about longevity you know about how you want to and how you perceive yourself to be in years to come as opposed to exactly as you say just beat the shit out of it fuck the consequences you know let's live for today but all of you is health well-being future you know it's it's so good that so many of you in the mindsets are just so right yeah i think we're we're in a really fortunate place right now with i mean particularly british body bodybuilding and you know by no means do i follow everyone but i know the people that i follow give you know not only an extremely positive message but also there's a lot more knowledge and kind of information around health and you know for the past kind of five years this has been building and you know I think gone are the days where you know people hopefully this is the case anyway like you know aren't aware of kind of you know their blood work their blood pressure things like that and you know it's just it's all coming together right now where you know we've got the information and the sort of science and then the bodybuilding and it's tying in and it's it's you know a nice amalgamation of everything sorry so at the moment then in your um your daily routine um what is there anything you'd recommend is there anything you won't go without as in um you know general health um for your physique uh i mean my the list of supplements i take is is pretty extensive because you know i they all have i suppose their benefits and you know like i say i kind of track my blood work so i kind of know what what I want to stay on top of and then obviously as a bodybuilder kind of liver kidney health etc really important you know as a as a basic sort of staple for any bodybuilder really like um my sponsor's strom and this isn't a direct plug this is just generally because they do do the best product for this you know the support max that they do um the on cycle support um is you know it, it, it's essential to myself and to like I say any bodybuilder um going down that route um, and I, I'm big on kind of immune health as well, you know, just the basics, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin A, mm-hmm. obviously at the moment as well, you know, with everyone so panicking about the virus, it makes even more sense. Um, 
but you know outside of supplements as well it's it's the food you eat like and this is again where I kind of can can tell you firsthand how I feel different like I was in my kind of earlier days I sort of neglected the sort of veg side of things you know it's just like you get the real I suppose in inverted commas important food in your protein and your carbs and everything else sort of fell by the wayside whereas past couple of years you know I've eaten lots more load, load more fruit load more veg um, you know I eat a lot every day now and I feel a lot better for it. Um, I seem, you know, on paper to be a lot healthier for it. And, um, you know, it's all those things combined. Oh, cool. You know, and again, the thing is, there's nothing you've said there that's not, you know, um, that hopefully people are hearing day in, day in, day out. But I just want people to take note and actually get in on that, you know, because as you say, you're, you're just your basics, your vits and, and your multivits and uh, things like that they're just putting them on the back burner. So as you know, it's again, it's trying to make sure that everybody that's listening does the basics. Then as you say, you can go on to health and well-being and everything else as well then. Definitely. Like I kind of have, you know, if I, if I get a new client then I'll always have a basic sort of supplement for them and that will normally be vitamin C, vitamin D, um, a good fish oil, probiotic. Um, and that's kind of normally, you know, it's a basic for, you know, we're covering immune health, gut health, um, and, you know, all the benefits that come with a good fish oil. So, you know, it's going from there. And then obviously based off of, you know, other aspects of your life, you know, other areas that might need work health wise or, you know, stress, etc. You might want to then develop that. Like I said, for me, I've got an extensive list simply because I suppose, you know, I'm in a position where I'm looking for every sort of half a percent of, of benefit in terms of performance and health. Um, but as basics, that's definitely where, you know, people need to be be aware of and be starting with. Yeah, cool. Yeah, because I think, you know, maybe a few years ago, just people, as you just said, would concentrate more on performance. But I think I said it in another podcast. I remember when Lee Haney was in the middle of his eight, uh, Olympia run and he did um, a seminar and somebody asked him, what, well, what are you going to do next year? Expecting the answer to be, oh, I'm going to be, you know, five, six, ten pounds heavier on stage and blah, blah, blah. But he said, I just want to remain healthy. Because he knew at the time, all he had to do was remain healthy because nobody was going to come close to him. you know. But I think people are thinking more along those lines now because if you haven't got your health, then literally everything else will fall by the wayside. That's it. You know, that you just covered it there. You know, health, they're not exclusive. Health and performance. Health complements performance. You haven't got health, you can't perform. Um, and, you know, that right there is is everything and it should be you know the, it's like the foundation you know you're not gonna you don't run before you can walk if you haven't got your health in order everything above that yes you may be able to push performance and push you know size on etc but it's going to be a real forceful effort that's going to be a lot more damaging to your body than if your body is in a lovely place it's you know enjoying life it feels good everything's working you know the the, the progress you can then make off of that foundation is is, is so much better yeah, one hundred percent. So, um, with the current situation, obviously you've said you're you're well, probably more than getting by. You know, with your training to a certain extent. I do, are you still keeping up with your cardio? Yeah, yeah. I've got a bike. I bought a bike because um, you know I I like I said for me 
cardio was something that I always wanted to do and I always found an excuse to do off-season. So I thought I need to actually go out of my way, get something so that I can commit to it. So I've got a bike. So that's, you know, I, I've stuck very much to my routine. I, I'm a big advocate of kind of structure and routine, particularly, you know, right now in the situation, because I think if you can let, if you let things slip with, with nothing else going on really, and a lot of free time, you can really let your, your body and your mind get away from you. And that's just going to kind of tear people apart. So, you know, from day one, I just carried on. I'm up at 6am. I do my cardio and I crack on with my day. I make it as productive as possible with regards to work. And then outside of that, I try not to spend kind of too much time lazing about um, until it gets to maybe kind of six, seven o'clock in the evening. And I'll kick back, watch a bit of Amazon prime or Netflix and, uh, and chill out then. Yeah, Netflix. What is that all about? Jesus, we've just <laughs> discovered it. Oh my God, it's lethal. <laughs> and so, as well, are you managing to get everything that you need food wise at the moment? Yeah, I again, I, I, I seem to say I'm lucky quite a lot, but I do feel really lucky because I live in a fairly small town, but it has got a very, well, and it's not that, it's a student-based town, and obviously the, the university's closed, so it's got a really good kind of, it's got several supermarkets, and because of the, I suppose, reduction in volume of, of students, the, the food issue hasn't really been um, noticeable. I think there was, right early on, there was one, one shop I did, I couldn't get eggs and I couldn't get chicken, but then I went to the local butchers and I got um, chicken and I think I just got some beef mints because they had that. But that was, I think, one week. And I always have food in the freezer anyway um, that I couldn't do my normal shop. So touch wood, I mean, we're out of it now in terms of panic buying. But yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been in a good place there. Oh, that's, yeah, so perfect. So, you, you know, you within reason, you're, you're just sticking to the plan, basically. Yeah, I mean, the like nothing has changed. You know, I still, the training frequency is still the same. I've changed it slightly. I've gone to a two days on, one day off um, routine, um, just so it kind of keeps me in a slightly different structure to normal, but still something that I can enjoy and work with um food wise because i was kind of hitting peak off season food and because i suppose the level of heavy training isn't possible i reduced that down um just so at the moment i've sort of my weights come down and i'm i'm leveled out at kind of about 308 310 um and i just feel really good for it you know um all being well you know the thought process behind it is that you know, I take a bit of time now, you know, continue to train hard, eat a little bit less, get in an even healthier position. But when we come out the back of this, I can then push on and see some really nice, nice progress because there's no point just plowing in the food and getting fat if you can't quite convert it into into hard training. And that's it. And you're doing absolutely everything right, but you're using this time in a positive manner, you know, because the thing is, it is an opportunity. Um to be better or worse and really that's up to you so to take this time produce the physique you want rest when you need do your cardio eat well is a win-win yeah and i think you know i think hopefully if people have that mindset you know there's there's such an opportunity for not only people into bodybuilding, but just people who who want to get their health in a better place. This is the perfect time for it. You know, there's there's everyone's got all the time in the world 
to know do their home training and for 99% of the general population home training is more than enough um, you know they can get out and do some cardio once a day they could do something at home whatever it may be you know there's no excuse to go out and drink there's no excuse to go out and eat like we should come out of this as a very healthy country and if we don't then the people have really been proper arseholes <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I think, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen when we come out of this lockdown. But you say there's a lot of people that seem to have got into a bit of exercise during this. So I, I think the gyms potentially that we're going to get really busy after this. Would you agree? I definitely, I definitely think so because you know so many people they use they use two things as excuses. They use they use time. Now, obviously, when people go back to work, time is still going to be a factor. However, the second thing is routine. And right now, people are going to be getting into a routine of training, a routine of exercising at least, and that mm. they're going to want to continue that because no doubt that they will be feeling better in themselves. And if they then go back into how they were, you know, they'll quickly realise that you know they much prefer training and like you say you know once gyms are open uh, you know the amount of excitement just in in terms of you know people who like like to train is going to create I think it's probably going to attract even more people to them yeah definitely I mean I walk I walk for miles every day always have done but geez the people out on the you know walking around at the moment so if we can get half of those in the gyms that'd be great Exactly. I know it's, 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 it's almost, you know, you look for the positives in all these things. And, you know, I go for my walk every day down the canal and I've, I've done that, you know, for the past kind of five years, maybe not as regularly as I am now, but, you know, I can see a huge influx of people doing the same thing, taking the bikes out and, um, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a really nice thing. Yeah, good. So when we can go back to the gyms, etc., what gym do you trainer at the moment so i flit around a little bit um because there's a there's a gym in uh, my hometown um that's, that's that's really good they've always been really good to me um it is on the little bit of the basic side so i tend to only train there maybe twice a week um then there's another gym uh, about a 20 minute drive away that's a bit a lot better kitted out um so i train there twice a week and then i also train over um, I do legs normally at Jamie Jamie Johal's gym actually, which is in Ilkeston, which is about um, a kind of thirty minute drive for me. So um, I normally go over there, and I sometimes see a couple of clients as well um, who are in the area, and then I'll train legs. So that's kind of my my little split between gyms. Yeah, but that's good as well. It keeps everything fresh. Yeah, and it's, I see different people and I see different faces and, you know, different equipment. And also, if ever I do want to kind of change up my routine, I have, you know, all these different gyms that I can pick from. Cool. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> I don't know if you can uh, see on your screen, but we've been uh, going for just over an hour now. So I think, uh, yeah. you know, we, we won't take up any more of your time. I mean, this is exactly like... Uh, when we did the uh, Q&A at Body Power a couple of years ago, um, you know, you're just so easy to speak to, you know, you answer questions fully, um, you know, it's been really good. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. Oh, thank you, Mike. Well, I, honestly, I love speaking to you guys and I've got a huge, you know, so much amount of respect. Like I said, you were the first the first person at my first show who was a friendly face and who kind of pointed me in the right direction and was super kind. And, you know, since then we've crossed paths many, many times and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it every single time. So, you know, I look forward to when this is all over 
and um, hopefully sooner rather than later. And you know whether that the event goes ahead at your your place or not, I know it will at some point, and I'll I'll be there with a uh, with a big smile and hugs for all of you. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, that's superb. Uh, so thank you again for that.